waiting for my lady. Got the special sauce. That's why she's my baby, my baby, my baby. And of course I'll do anything for her. Anything she wants to show her, honey. Show her, got a short mouth, a short tongue. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Friday. Good morning, folks. Welcome. Today is Friday, October 7th. Welcome to episode 214 of Simply Cyber's Daily Cyber Threat Briefing. I'm your host, Dr. Gerald Dozier, and over the next 45 minutes, you, I, and all of chat are going to be digging into the top cybersecurity news stories of the day and providing I'll be providing my expert analysis on each of those stories on what it means to you as a practitioner. So what can you do with this today, next week? How can you deliver value and reduce cyber risk for your organization? Or if you're looking to break into the industry, don't worry. We got you covered because we're going to be providing context, current stories, how they relate to each other. You'll be going to be destroying it in your interviews. But first, before we dig in, special shout out to Matt Mirrors. Good to see you here, Matt. Good to see you, Brenkery. Good morning, everybody. Little G Love special sauce. Want to give some love and shout out to the stream sponsors. First off, my man, Eric Taylor over at Barricade Cyber Solutions. Barricade Cyber Solutions is dedicated to helping businesses from cyber attacks and recover from the damage done. Cyber attacks can cause massive issues for businesses and send dedicated, hardworking business owners into turmoil. But Barricade Cyber Solutions knows how to mitigate the damage done by cyber incidents. Check them out at barricadecyber.com. Links in the description below. You can set up a, a real quick, easy conversation with Eric Taylor and figure out where you guys are sort, uh, sorted out. Also, a little love to my man, Eric Capuano at Recon Info, second the whole team over there. If your organization is large enough to have real cybersecurity concerns, but maybe not quite large enough to have a full-fledged security operations capability from the ground up, check out the Managed Detection and Response, aka MDR, offering from Recon InfoSec. Their offering includes the people, the process, the technology needed to deliver a full-spectrum security operations capability to organizations of any size. Much love and appreciate the support, the support for the stream. Now, if, uh, if you're live, oh, wait, if you hold professional certifications, I always love to tell people this because they may not know it. Each episode of the Daily Cyber Threat Briefing, just like this one, is worth half a CPE. So say what's up in chat. Say hashtag team live. Do a little fire and two hearts emoji. You know, do a this is fine emoji. Whatever you want, just say something because it's going to capture it. I leave the chat on the stream so it's forensically sound and burned in. I don't take the streams down. At any point, you can point an audit to this and you can get going. Half a, a show, two and a half a week, 10 a month. Be sure to say what's up and document literally the easiest way. And I would say a quite enjoyable way to get CPEs. Now, if you're live, I love it. I had a little bit of a snafu yesterday. So apologies. Definitely a lot of team replay yesterday. But, you know, we're working through it. Um, so I uh, love being here. If you're watching on replay, hashtag team replay in the comments. Make sure you capture it that way so it is forensically sound. Uh, and if you want to jump right to the news because you're listening on an audio podcast app of choice or you're on replay, jump ahead. But you know what we're going to do for the next couple minutes? I'm going to throw the script to the side, grab a cup of coffee, and welcome chat and everybody to Friday. Got my Black Hills love on because we're going out to Black Hills next week. Give a talk on some GRC, Day in the Life on Friday. If you're going to be in uh, Deadwood, 
be sure to give me a high five. And uh, if you can, attend my talk because it's going to be wicked fun. Let's see. Uh, Carl Rahm went to the Houston Cyber Summit for a security event ever and was able to network and meet with folks with confidence thanks to the knowledge gained from the stream. My man! Nailed it. Way to go, everybody. Hey, Ms. Julian, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, Jeffrey Foshi, Foshizzle, Christopher Paschal, free CPEs. Wow, they're not free, Christopher. You're earning them by being here and being part of the show, being part of the community. We are going to be digging in to the top cybersecurity news stories in just a few minutes. Oh, my God, the coffee's good. Got the French roast going. Black Hills, uh, what Wild West Hacking Fest is next week, Wednesday through Friday. Uh, they're doing trainings the first half of the week, but I'm not going to be going to that. Can only I can only I can only carve out so much time for such awesome activities as conferences and stuff like that. Hey, haircut fish, good to see you, Amelia Garcia. Adam, what up? Good to see you. How's everybody doing? Remember, it is Friday, which means it's Grace and Joke of the Day. Fridays. He's got me all queued up with a joke. We'll do it at the mid-roll. Hey, Tony Roy. Good to see you. Kimberly can fix it, my man. Love it. Good to see you, Kimberly. Yeah, this week kind of came on quick. What's up, Kenneth Strickbine? It was good to see you last night, Kenneth, on the live stream. If you guys did not catch it, yesterday we had James McQuiggan from No Before On, and we talked about security awareness and how to do it correctly and <laughs> how to do it wrong and all the mistakes you want to avoid. What's up, Saidu Paul Oluwatobi? It's good to see you. Hey, Lego security. Cyber Munchkin. I know, I know, Cyber Munchkin. Yesterday was a hot mess on fire. I was all sorts of out of sorts. I'm, I'm doing good. Hey, Doris Shot News. Good to see you from Germany. It's been a minute, Doris. I feel like I haven't seen you in the chat there for a second. It's good to see you back again. Yes, it is Friday. Let's do this, people, right? Super, super pumped. Got an, like, got, got the music going. I'm feeling good, guys. I'm feeling good. Going to be going into this weekend feeling like uh, winning, like we won. Good to see you. All right, Professor Block Ops is here. Salute to G in the chat. Hey, Paul Williams. Good to see you. Mm. Oh, my God. Okay. Let's go and get on to the news. Guys, sit back. Relax. Yeah, you can't catch the Midnight Rider. Hopefully, you guys have been enjoying the music. I've been doing custom intros and outros based on my mood or what the day is or anything like that. Uh, except for Wednesdays because that's going to be Daft Punk all around the world until further notice. <laughs> and hopefully, we can get South America online next Wednesday. Guys, sit back. Relax. We're into the news. From the CISO series, it's Cybersecurity Headlines. It's Friday, October 7th, 2022. Former Uber security chief found guilty of data breach cover-up. A U.S. federal court jury has found former Uber chief security officer Joseph Sullivan guilty of not disclosing a 2016 breach of customer and driver records to regulators and attempting to cover up the incident. Sullivan has been convicted on two counts, one for obstructing justice by not reporting the incident and another for misprision, which can be defined as passive complicity or concealment, according to law. He faces a maximum of five years in prison for the obstruction charge and a maximum of three years for the latter. The 2016 hack of Uber occurred as a result of two hackers gaining unauthorized access to the company's database backups, prompting the ride-hailing firm to secretly pay a $100,000 ransom in December 2016 in exchange for deleting the stolen information. Optus. All right, so a couple things here. This is not a good look, uh, unfortunately, for this dude. 
um, you know, star in the cybersecurity community. I've been told. I, I I didn't really know of him myself, but obviously he's held some high positions. This was a pretty quick turnaround on the case. He's been found guilty uh, and could face up to, it looks like, five five years of prison. It says five years here, three for the second crime. I don't know if you get to serve those consecutively or, or in parallel or if you have to do it serial. Whatever. I, you know what I don't want to do? Go to prison. Um, we had Liz Wharton on two weeks ago on Simply Cyber Live. If you're looking to get a little bit more information on this story. Did we just become best friends? Yep. My man, Jeremy Williams with the love. Thank you so much, Jeremy Williams. Getting that cup of coffee. Do appreciate it. It keeps me fueled. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thanks so much for the super chat. Guys, if you're interested, go back and watch two weeks ago. Liz Wharton talk on, um, basically how to avoid chaos in the C-suite. We talk about this case particularly. We go into detail. There is just, you know, this isn't going to be something that you operationalize, but this will probably be the story of the week for the executives because they need to be mindful that if you start pulling shenanigans and thinking that you're going to be um, limited on liability, um, this is a precedent setting that you can go to prison, <laughs> probably federal prison. And, you know, it's not good. So here's the deal. The TLDR, some people think that this guy uh, was a, basically treated like a patsy, like the C-suite kind of threw him under the bus and he was held liable. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but as a CISO, you've got to advise. You've got to be clear. You cannot try, guys, you cannot try to have criminals, aka hackers in this case, sign NDAs that they won't talk about their crimes. That to me is like probably one of the fatal flaws of this whole thing is that you really, really thought you were going to get an NDA executed with a person who's committing a crime. No good. And then just another thing, like when you're walking around the yard and you got like, you know, <laughs> you know, real bad dudes and they're like, what are you in for? And you're like, I'm in for Miss Prisian. That doesn't really, <laughs> that doesn't really, um, you know, I don't know if that really gets you an extra scoop of, um, you know, um, carrots in the lunch line there but anyways precedent setting sucks for this guy hopefully um i don't know hope for the best confirms 2.1 million id numbers exposed in a data breach optus confirmed yesterday that the 2.1 million customers had government identification numbers compromised during the cyber attack of last month of these 1.2 million had at least one number from a current and valid form of identification compromised and 900,000 had id numbers exposed but from documents that are now expired this has not changed the original number of affected customers all 9.8 million customers who had other personal information exposed including email addresses date of birth or phone numbers okay In so i mean no big deal here um i mean it is a big deal uh, and this really only affects uh individuals who are in Australia or lived in Australia or had done business with Optus, which is an Australian telecom. So, um, you know, people in the United States, you could breathe, breathe a sigh of relief that it's not your data this week, but guys, we get popped like all the time. So most of us, our data has already been compromised multiple times. So it's basically just like, Oh, okay. Like it's, it's not me today, but probably tomorrow. Um, it sounds like government IDs, which maybe is similar or uh, analog, analogous, analogous, <laughs> analogous. There's a word there that I'm trying to say, um, but comparable to social security number. Again, I don't know. In in 2022, with everything hyperconnected and data being duplicated and stored and shared everywhere, I don't know if the concept of the 
you know, unique government ID uh, and needing to protect it holds as much gravity as it used to in the 50s and 60s when it was much more difficult to um, compromise that type of data. Be mindful. I'm sure Optus is going to pay for identity theft monitoring in two years of whatever. You're definitely going to get a letter in the mail saying that Optus takes privacy and security seriously. So get ready for that. This is just more information. Dated developments, Australian Federal Police arrest man suspected of exploiting Optus cyber attack. Oh, wow. The Australian police have arrested a 19-year-old Sydney resident accused of trying to extort money from victims of the recent cyber attack. The police said it was alerted to a blackmail attempt when some Optus customers were told to transfer 2,000 Australian dollars, about 1,300 US dollars, to a bank account or have their personal data used for financial crimes. The unnamed individual is alleged to have used over 10,000 of the records on customers that were uploaded to the web following the attack in September. These include names, dates of birth, phone numbers, email addresses, home addresses, driver's licenses, and passports. What the hell? Okay, so I don't know what the the podcast just did, but I feel like they just took like a left turn. <laughs> like, you know that meme? You know the meme where the car is like swerving to take the exit right off the highway really quick? I feel like the podcast just did that. Like... We're talking about the Optus breach, 2.1 million. The next story has something to do with the UK, but they're still digging into the Optus one. Fortunately, I, I, I know about that story because I watched it last night. Essentially, um, not, not the person responsible for the breach. Remember, the Optus breach, the person who did the breach, right? The person who did the breach quickly released like an apology and said that they didn't want any money and said that they, they basically just wanted to back away from it. I made the speculation that this was like, you know, kind of a um, a curious part-time hacker who got a little in over their head and realized, like, oh crap, I'm like committing a crime right now. I need to I need to back away. I need to put this uh, radioactive thing I just created in a, a a lead box, close the box, stick it in a lead boat, then go to the co coast, shoot the boat, sink it, put it in the ocean, and then pretend that I was at the grocery store the whole time. That is the person who did this. I, as far as I know, they haven't caught that individual. However, a 19-year-old 19 19-year-old, 19 got access to the data set and started sending text messages to individuals using the data in the data breach in order to try to trick them into committing... Uh, well, he was committing fraud. He was trying to trick them into giving him money as he was pretending to be either Optus or the Australian government or something like that. Anyways... 19-year-old, terrible OPSEC. I don't know if he was doing it from his own computer, but it took him about... This This breach happened like two weeks ago, right? And this dude got arrested yesterday. So, you know, shout out. Hold on really quick. This is appropriate. Shout out to Australian police because they are swift with justice, huh? Woo! All right, anyways, long story short, Crime doesn't pay, right? Like, it's a 1985 dare ad I'm talking about right here. Crime doesn't pay. Retailer Easy Life fined £1.5 million for data protection breaches. A leading UK catalogue retailer has been issued with a financial penalty of close to £1.5 million by the country's information regulator for breaching data protection and marketing laws. The Information Commissioner's Office said that Easy Life used the personal information of its customers to target them with health-related products without their consent. The firm claims to be one of the largest home and garden retailers of its kind in the UK, although it also sells products and services related to health and automotive. 
The ICO explained that 80 out of 122 products in Easy Life's Health Club catalog were considered to be trigger products, which, if bought, would lead to the firm profiling the customer and targeting them with follow-on calls and emails. All right, hold on really quick. I, I'm just trying to see if I can find the annual revenue for this company. Um, right, because I always look at that. Um, GlaxoSmithKline, no. See, I, I'm not sure who this company is, but one real quick, uh, one real quick one I found said that it, they made. If this is the same company, Easy Life Medical Supplies. This says it's out of California, not the UK. 29 employees, so this may not be the same, but they made six million dollars just last year. So, if they were fined 1.5 million, this would actually be a legit fine that actually is painful. If this is not the same company then you know, one and a half million pounds could just be the cost of doing business. I genuinely believe that these fines for privacy infractions um, in California or in the UK for GDPR, it's, it's, it doesn't rise up enough to the cost of being painful to the company. I swear that they make a calculation where they're like, well, how much revenue can we get, can we make if we have access to this data set? Well, sir, we, we can't get access to the data set. It's against the law. Yeah, but what's the penalty? Well, probably like one eighth of a percent of our annual revenue. Fine. Like just stroke a check. What? How much revenue can we make off of it? Assuming we get fined. Well, we can make $200 million, sir. Okay, that's fine. Just chalk it off as an expense. Chalk it off as an expense to initiating that particular project and going after that particular revenue next next topic let's move on right that's what i feel like it is happening with these fines it's like i don't even know if they're like trying to hide the fact that they're doing it or if they're just like hey you know what there's there's more of us than there are um not lawmakers but people following uh investigating the law like not police officers but you know what i mean investigators so if we get caught we get caught if we don't get caught, we win. Either way, we're going to be making more money. And that's capitalism, right? That's capitalism. Capitalism is <laughs> capitalism is a fine model, but it does have some downsides to it, right? And this this is this is one of them. All right, here's and the read. Now, thanks to this week's episode sponsor, Hunters. Oh, oh, I see. Here's the story of the Australian man. Okay. They read it out of order on the on the podcast. Hunters is a SaaS platform purpose-built for security operations teams. Providing unlimited data ingestion and normalization at predictable costs, Hunters helps SOC teams mitigate real threats faster and more reliably than SIM. Visit hunters.ai to learn more. All right. Well, thank you. Since it's the mid-roll, you know what we're doing. Get your best breakfast club look on. Get your John Hughes on. All right, guys, I want to thank you so much. Okay, I, I'm just finding this out right now. Thank you, BSEC. Um, that company made $54 million last year. On average, between $50 and $100 million of revenue. So, so if I told you you could make a ton of money and it would cost you 1% of your revenue, you tell me. I mean, to me, that seems like a no-brainer, Right. All right, guys, I want to spend a minute just thanking all of you. We made it to Friday. We've got Grayson's joke of the day. Real quick, you can do exclamation point Twitter. I am making a concerted effort to put out content of value on Twitter. 
I'm at Gerald Osier, so go check that out if you're interested. You can also click right here once you're on my profile to get that weekly uh, Monday morning newsletter on how you can literally kick butt. I'm going to have to update this to 2000. With, like the newsletter is taking off. A lot of people are enjoying it. Um, it'll be there Monday morning, 6 a.m. Eastern time. So giddy up on that. Guys, Grayson joke of the day. <laughs> Grayson joke of the day. All right, this one's a little bit more uh, interesting in the story, but sit, sit back, relax, special shout out, and thanks to Grayson for the joke of the day. So a man's sitting in the kitchen, a dad is sitting in the kitchen, and um, he's eating a sandwich, and the mom walks in and walks over to the fridge and knocks on the fridge door. And the husband says, what are you doing? And she said, oh, I didn't want to open the door. There might be a ranch dressing. There might be a ranch dressing. Thank you, thank you, Grayson, for the joke of the of the day, joke of the week. Uh, definitely enjoy that 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 segment of the joke. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed it. I'll let him know that it was it was well received. All right, let's get back into the news, y'all. Egypt leaks. Hacktivists are leaking financial data. ReSecurity, a California-based cybersecurity company protecting Fortune 500 corporations globally, has noticed a new group of hacktivists targeting financial institutions in Egypt. The bad actors go under the campaign EG Leaks, also known as Egypt Leaks. They started leaking large volumes of compromised payment data belonging to the customers of major Egyptian banks on the dark web. First mention of this activity had been detected in a Telegram channel created to leak Excel files containing over 12,000 credit card numbers. Okay. Japanese. Okay, so you can see here this is a post. Um, this is on. This is on Tor. This is an onion router. So this is the the dark web, if you will, the the seedy underbelly of the internet. This is dark web stuff right here. Uh, basically, hacktivists releasing information. Um. You know, this is, a, oh, there's the little dark web call out. Whoop. Um, all right, guys. Like, this is uh, interesting. Interesting. It seems like they're targeting capitalism, essentially. Uh, obviously, these, these, con these uh, conglomerate fat cats, if you will, these banks uh, obviously have a lot of money. I don't know if they're doing bad practices, if they're screwing people over. I don't know. The story didn't get into it. As far as why they are activists, why are they leaking the data? Why are they screwing with these Egyptian banks? Um, something to look into. But I say this in um, in one of the lectures I give. Um, you know, when we're talking about threat actors, you've got to remember, people, that there are different motivations. Right? There's nation-state threat actors, APT, who are executing geopolitical strategy. Um, I mean, they're executing under geopolitical strategy, basically military capabilities, go attack this target, go get this, um, this, you know, information, this data to commit espionage, whatever, right? These are the elite sophisticated hackers. Then there are criminals who are typically financially motivated, right? This is your ransomware actors, um, this 19 year old kid, uh, there's different levels of sophistication, obviously, um, like Laz well, Lazarus is an APT, like uh, Conti ransomware gang, very sophisticated. They run it like a business. The 19 year old Optus guy who, who like launched and then immediately got arrested. The similar goals, financial, but whatever. Another one that has nothing to do with it is activism. And these are hacktivists, right? Um, so this is a good one to bookmark if you're trying to start to build a corpus 
of, you know, kind of buckets of threat actors based on their motivation, because it's important to understand these different threat actors and what their motivations are. Because when an when a threat actor actually executes on a target, they are they should be like this isn't 1998 anymore where they're just curious and like, oh, I just want to see what's going on. No, they are executing on an objective. There is a goal in mind at the end of the at the path, right? And what that motivation is will help you understand who the threat actors are that are targeting your industry, your business, your whatever, and what you know, I guess resources or techniques they might have available to them. So this is a good one right here. Um, you know, and you know what? Another thing is there's no amount of money. There's no amount of anything that you can do to quell these people unless you, I don't want to say bend to their will, but you like, typically you're doing something that is making them mad and they want you to stop that. You can't, you can't pay these people off. You can't, they're like terminators. You can't reason with them. You can't buy them off. Like, you know, so anyways, it's a, it's a good case study and it's current, right? Bust this one out in a, in a job interview when you're talking about, Hey, you know, like, what do you like? Oh, you got a phishing email or something like that. It's like, well, you could, you could be like, Oh, well, you know, what, what's the motivation? Is it, is it cybercrime? Is it hacktivism? Are they trying to get in to DOS us? Are they trying to get in to find the CEO's emails to see if there's like wrongdoing going on so they can embarrass us, whatever. Sushi chain boss resigns amidst accusation of improper data access. The president of casual Japanese chain restaurant Kappa Sushi resigned this week in the wake of a data theft scandal. Kobe Tanabe was arrested by the Tokyo Metropolitan Police Department on September 30th on allegations of violating Japan's competition laws. Before he became boss of Kappa Sushi, Tanabe led rival discount sushi establishment Hama Sushi, which has accused Tanabe of stealing trade secrets by accessing data caches. As the former director of Hama Sushi, Tanabe had contacts including former subordinates who allegedly emailed him daily sales data on several occasions. Yeah. Dude, this is corporate espionage 101. All right. Shout out. Shout out. You know, the register, which is where this story is hosted right now, the register is the one that typically uses the word miscreant, which I always LOL. But guys, Japanese sushi chain, they're talking about data theft stinks, raw deal. All right, so I am going to give them, I'm going to give them uh, some credit. Well done. Well done. Fridays are lighthearted and good times. Um, but dude, there's nothing lighthearted about this. Right, it could it is casual sushi, whatever that means. I'm not sure if I, <laughs> I'm not sure if I want gas station sushi. Um, and I'm being funny, right? Obviously, this is probably a successful business in Japan. But here's the deal: this is a good one to be mindful of. That it doesn't matter um, what the business is or what they're selling or whatever. It could be selling tech, right? Technology. Uh, video games, like high high value assets, whatever, or it could be selling sushi. Corporate espionage is corporate espionage. This dude had access to information that he shouldn't have had access to of his competitors, right? So he sees his competitors' numbers. He knows what his competitors maybe are forecasting for the next year. He knows what their competitors are, are like, you know, what, what they're going to be putting on their menu, like directions they're going to be going, maybe markets they're going to be getting into, right? Maybe they're going to start selling noodles and sushi. Well, that's interesting. How, how, how would that affect it? Or maybe we should sell noodles. Maybe I should make a run on the supply chain of noodles and just kind of lock that all up like a million different things. But at the end of the day, here's another thing about capitalism, man. 
This dude was trying to get a competitive advantage in a competitive marketplace, and he did it by breaking the law, getting access to this sensitive data. This is this is really no different, y'all, than just to make a comparison. A couple years ago, in baseball, uh, Major League Baseball in the United States, there was a you know huge scandal of um, one team, I think it was the Houston Astros, having access to signals and, and data and, uh, during a game of what pitches were going to be thrown. And they were signaling from, um, you know, they were signaling to the batter using different sounds for different pitches and stuff like that. But the batter knew what kind of pitch was coming in. They knew it was a fastball, a curveball, or whatever, which gave them a competitive advantage in like skewed skewed the game, right? So it was it, it was no longer a fair playing field, right? Now that's a game. This is business, but it's the same thing, right? Houston Astros win 10 more games. Houston Astros get in the playoffs. Ticket sales go up. You got to pay for those things, right? Concessions, all all of it. It's all about cash money, dude. It's all about straight cash, homie. homie. Let's keep growing. Ferrari denies data breach and ransomware attack following gangs online claims. Luxury car maker Ferrari is denying that it was hit with a ransomware attack after a gang added the company to its list of victims this week. The ransomware group, Ransom EXX, posted to its leak site on Sunday claiming to have stolen 7 gigabytes of data from the company. The stolen documents allegedly include contracts, invoices, internal company information, repair manuals, and more. But in a statement to the record on Tuesday, a Ferrari spokesperson said it was aware of reports that documents from the company had been leaked online, but said it is not dealing with any type of ransomware attack or cybersecurity incident. Okay, so, you know, this like Ferrari, everybody knows about Ferrari, right? Like, ooh, you, you, you sexy, right? Okay, so Ferrari is claiming that they weren't breached. This threat actor group claims that they breached Ferrari. A couple things here. One, this threat actor group... Um, is getting pub, right? Because everybody knows Ferrari. They may have gotten the data secondhand. It may not actually be Ferrari. It needs to be validated. It's not uncommon because Ferrari wasn't ransomware, so they're not having visible problems. It's not uncommon for a business to deny, right, that they've been hacked until they can fully validate it. Because guys, here's something that you may not know. When you use the word breach, when you use the word breach, that that's words matter in this case. And when you use the word breach, a decision has been made, a, a, a status has been updated, and the clock starts ticking, okay? So with a lot of these notification laws, a lot of these rules, insurance companies, et cetera, the second you have a breach, the clock ticks, right? You have 24 hours to notify us. You have 72 hours to call us. Insurance company needs to know by eight hours within a, a detected breach, um, for us to deploy incident responders. And if you don't, we're not going to pay your policy, your premium, et cetera. Now, if you say you have an incident that you're investigating, that is not a breach. You are still you know, assessing the situation and determining whether or not there was a breach. You can have a threat actor in your environment, compromise an endpoint, VPN concentrator gets popped, threat actor sitting in there scanning and mapping your internal network, right? You're not breached yet. The data isn't breached. You've got to separate the data from the systems, y'all. So, long story short, it's very common. And as a CISO, I'll tell you, man, you don't... Like, if, if, if a junior analyst or somebody like legal counsel says, oh, we've got a breach, you, you say, um, oh, what, would be, what would be a good one? What would be, you'd be like, they're like, we have a breach. You're like, 
No, we don't. We're investigating an incident right now. We don't have a breach yet. Okay, so part of me thinks that's the calculus going on here. Secondly, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not in the automotive industry, right? Which does have manufacturing elements to it. But when I think about like what they're saying, Ferrari uh, got released. Remember, they don't have a ransomware incident, so their business can still operate. The stolen documents allegedly include contracts, invoices, internal company info, repair manuals. Okay, like I guess you could use this information to see like who Ferrari's selling to, but I don't think that that is. To me, like that's not really sensitive. I mean, the only thing that might be embarrassing is if Ferrari is selling Matt Mira's, um, you know, a, a, a Ferrari 350. I don't even know if that's a car, right? A Ferrari 350 for um, $200,000 and they're selling it to me for $100,000, right? So I get a discount and, and Matt Mira's gets screwed. Like maybe that's a little bit of a, 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 a sensitive thing, you know? Ferrari might be publicly traded. I don't know. Internal company information might actually hurt stock values. I'm trying to like on the fly do a impact assessment if this data was truly leaked. Um, you know, it's not, it's, not, it's not personal information. It's not PII. It's not credit card numbers. It's not competitive advantage. It's not uh, FY 2023 forecasting information unless that's the internal company information. So anyways, I'm not saying it doesn't suck. I'm just saying... You know, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks less. Uh, yes. Intel inching closer to mass production of spin qubit chips. Intel claims to have achieved a milestone in efforts to produce silicon spin qubit devices using existing manufacturing processes, a move they think might pave the way for large-scale production of quantum computers. They describe this as the industry's highest yield and uniformity for silicon spin qubit hardware. Intel's quantum angle has been on scaling up the process to fabricate quantum processor chips using its own transistor manufacturing techniques, which have been tuned for large-scale production over many decades. The latest research was conducted using Intel's second-generation silicon spin test chip developed at their transistor research and development facility, Gordon Moore Park, at Ronier Acres in Hillsborough, Oregon. Remember, we've got a... All right, so look at this guy. This guy right here. This this is like this is how we flex in tech. This guy's like, look at look at look at the size of my wafer. Look at this wafer, man. Woo! All right. Dude, all right. So here's the deal. Intel chip maker, really well known. Um, you know, Pentium. They've been they've been the you know, I don't want to say the industry standard because AMD has been around for a while too. But Intel is as you know, baked into our culture as the chip maker as forever, right? Like, remember the Hewlett Packards? All right, let's date ourselves a little bit. Hewlett Packards, the gateway computers, you'd have that sticker on the side that said Intel inside. They've been around forever. Publicly traded company, if they crack the code on quantum chips that can be mass produced wholesale and sent out to consumers, um, Pretty, pretty good. Uh, <laughs> pretty good for the revenues for the Intel people, and probably not a bad uh, stock. This is not financial advice. I don't know anything about anything financial, so definitely not. <laughs> don't take my word for it. I actually um, have delegated all financial things to other people because I literally don't know anything. But it just seems if Intel gets the competitive advantage on quantum chips, it's going to be huge. Oh, and by the way, what an opportunity for me to talk about. Corporate espionage. Think about this for a second. And if Intel cracks the code 
on qubit um qubit on quantum computer mass production for consumer based technology they're going to have a competitive market advantage that is undeniable now let's just pretend that you know let me pick someone in chat here lego security um is all about like getting into the chip market now lego security can spend 15 years developing quantum technology and finding the scientists to hire and then get you know go wicked into debt and then maybe get into the market in 10 15 years or lego security could hire the top tier hackers to steal the technology and in six months you're up and running right so this is why corporate espionage is real and why it's a crime and just why businesses do it in the first place again great cash homie all right i do love it i do love it love it love it all right guys we are at 937 look at us ahead of the curve so this is pretty good let me um you know what i do i do feel good all right y'all that's gonna do it for today's news cycle we had a short run today on the news but because it's 9 37 I'm going to hang out and have a couple minutes, but if you were just here for the news, feel free to drop off or end the podcast app. Really happy. I hope you all have a wonderful Friday. Thank you so much for being here. I do want to remind you before you boogie out of here that I will be at 9 a.m. on Monday morning, so adjusted time for Monday, 9 a.m. because of you know personal reasons. And then starting on Tuesday, we will resume the normal schedule. Um We'll resume the normal schedule on Monday. I will be in Deadwood Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So I will be reporting or whatever, doing the show live from Deadwood. Uh, I may be on a flight one of those days, Wednesday. So I we may have a guest speaker. Again, guys, this month, this month, there's a lot going on for me uh, personally and professionally. And it, it's it's complicated. Okay, so I'm, I'm doing all that I can to manage it and make sure that we're doing the daily cyber threat briefing. Uh, but just, you know, chill out what, what, <laughs> and stay tuned. All right. Cause there will be updates. I'll keep everybody informed. All right. So that's all the updates for that. Other than that, I'm going to hang out with everybody in chat right now. I've got chat up. Um, feeling good. Let's see. How do I, how do I get my, uh, yeah. I want to engage with the audience. Yeah. Oh, there we go. There we go. Everybody get some love. I'm in chat, so I get access to my emotes. Have a good one, internal stranger. Just Ben, good to see you, man. Yeah, I might have a guest host. I gotta, I gotta look. Like I've been so backed up that I don't even, I haven't even looked at next week to figure out what the schedule is and everything like that. Good to see you, Joel Belton. It's complicated. That's right, Kim. Really, that is, that is so true. All right, looking at Chad here. Great Friday briefing. Thanks, Gail Solins. Good to see you. Adrival, good to see you. Leonardo, I don't know if you're still in here, but have a good one. Have a great weekend, K. Scott Powell. Right back you. Yeet! Yeet! There you go, Adam. <laughs> get that. Get that out of here. You know what I say about the work week? Yeet! See ya! Pretty good. I love it. Yeah, I love the music, guys. I love music. I'm such a music hound. Uh, be be good this weekend. I'm no hey. I'm not as good as B-Sec spinning records though. If you want to get some good, go over on Twitch and watch B-Sec when he does his sets. 
Good times. Good production value, too. Haircut fish. Yeah, exactly. I am excited, guys. You know, production note. Um, my my youngest son, Callan, he's more of the artist. He want, he's he he's he loves that Grayson gets the joke of the day, and he wanted something. So uh, we're going to be doing the Monday Callan uh, picture. So over the weekend, he'll develop something, and um, we'll, we'll highlight it on the show on Monday during the ad roll. Oh, thank you. Yeah, guys, check out Thursday Defensive, Recon Infosec's new show. It's not streamed online. You have to join a Zoom call. Red Siege does it on Wednesdays for red team operators. Recon Infosec is doing it on Thursdays for blue team operators. It's really cool. It's really fun. You can follow Recon Infosec or Eric Capuano on um, on um, social media, uh, Twitter, and you'll be able to find it. Or follow me. Like I've, I've actually added it as like a regular calendar item on my schedule. I'll be joining as I can. Yes, thank you, Eric Silverman. I love it. The Simply Cyber community is the proverbial refrigerator. Uh, he was very excited. He lit up when I suggested that idea to him. Thanks, Internal Stranger. Justin Gold, yeah, drop the Discord link to Recon InfoSec. Thank you so much. Good to see you, Jeremy Williams. Always good to see you, man. Hope hope you're, you're, everything's going well on your journey. Chinadu, it's been a minute. Have a great weekend. Have a nice weekend, Adrian Gutierrez. Michael Fink, my man. Part of that, uh, hey, Gary, Stargaze. When does a, de- a joke become more of a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Let me bring that up on stage. I love that joke. <laughs> Here we go. Oh, thank you so much for the super chat. Let's bring it on stage. Gary with the super chat and the dad joke. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. We're listening to Tribe Called Quest right now. Can I kick it? That's how I feel. Thank you, Alana. Good to see you. Just followed on Twitch. There you go, Haircut Fish. You're going to love it. Have a great weekend. Looking for the refreshing artwork. Thanks. Thanks so much, Claudia. I'll let Callan know that people are pumped about it. Early release day today, so I'm going to have to head on over there in just a few hours and pick them up. Definitely appreciate the support for the love. As always, guys, if you're interested in the um, the newsletter, be sure to sign up for that. SimplySyper.io slash newsletter or hit me up on uh, Twitter. You'll see it. Um, I think it's cool. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback on the newsletter, but uh, always open to feedback um, if you guys have any. <laughs> Jeremy Williams feels like one leg short of the other and he's just doing circles. Yeah, Jeremy. Hit me up on Discord, man. Maybe we can... Hey, thanks, Carl Ron, for the squad membership. Jeremy Williams, you're, you're a big, big supporter of the show. Hit me on Discord. Maybe we can put together a little plan for you uh, for the for the short term, three months, six months, or whatever. Align to your goals. There's a lot of options out there. Hey, Bob, Bob, good to see you. Hey, guys, remember, don't forget... Um, don't forget on... Um, on Monday... On Monday, this, this ad right here. Come on, Jerry. I don't want to see an ad of you. On Monday, I'll be playing World of Haiku. We'll be doing the dojos. We'll be doing a Blue Team Labs. So if you want to hang out, this is this is the streams where I flip out. I play music loudly and go bananas. 
Um, I, I love these streams. I'm looking forward to it. So Monday, 4 p.m. Eastern time next week, if you're interested in those streams. We're doing them every other week on the channel. Let's see. All right, 944. We got one more minute. Hopefully you guys enjoyed Outpost Gray's stream the other day, yesterday. Beer cheese. Yeah, Cyber Fed News Roundup. You can go over to Outpost Gray on YouTube and grab her Cyber Fed News Roundup. It's actually it's very good, really well produced, informative, focused on that cyber federal space. Um, you know, CMMC, uh, federal policy, law, anything. Weekend plans. Thanks for asking, Internal Stranger. My youngest has soccer game. I'll be doing that. I think we might do a little fishing. My buddy's got some property with lots of woods on it. There's a there's been discussion of a fire pit. So I, I like to get outside. As much as I love my little 4x4 phone booth that I operate in, I do love the outside. Uh, just as a quick aside, I did take a picture of my studio here. And there was some some... There was some interest from the community around doing a video of what the heck is going on here. So I'm actually working on that. So if you're interested in that, let me know. And, uh, you know, it will be releasing in a week or two. I did mention on uh, earlier in the week that we were doing a giveaway uh, next week. That has actually been put on hold. Uh, it was going to be tied to a produced video that I released on Monday that Eric Taylor and I worked together. But there's been some complications with that video that I, I can't really get into. Uh, but I can't do the giveaway because it was tied to the video. So just stay tuned on that one. Yeah, high school football in Texas. It's a big deal. That's going to be happening. Good to see you, Jenny Housley. Good to see you, Ben. Ian Kincaid. Guys, so so much love. Thank you so much for all the squad membership. I love seeing the emotes. I love seeing the badging. Um, you guys are just so supportive. Genuinely appreciate the community that we've built. Got great compliments from James McQuiggan yesterday on after the stream. We had a little debrief, and he said that our community is just amazing and awesome, and he's glad to be a, a part of it. Oh, my God. That's terrible. Drunk driver. Mm. All right. Well, everybody, it's that time. You ain't got to go home, but you can't stay here. Y'all be good. Thank you so much. Let me do this. We'll see you guys Monday, 8 a.m. Uh, excuse me, Monday, 9 a.m. Special time for this coming Monday. Everybody, be good. Thank you so much. Take care. We'll see you out there.